You're listening to the SSDN Green Minds Podcast, and I'm your co-host, Laurel Creech. I co-host this podcast series with Katherine Mercer Baggett. And this month here on the month of April, which is Earth Month, it is also Food Waste Awareness Month. So today I'm going to be featuring some very special guests. First, I'm going to be starting off with two guests that are going to have a conversation with me about what food waste is, efforts on a national scale to reduce food waste, and how to work with city governments and policies to help mitigate and accelerate food waste efforts. So Darby Hoover is going to join me. She's from the Natural Resource Defense Council. Her position is Senior Resource Specialist, Food Waste Initiatives, Health and Food, Healthy People, and Thriving Communities Program. Also joining Darby Hoover is Linda Bregan. Linda Bregan is currently co-chair of the Mayor's Sustainability Advisory Committee here in Metro National Government. She is also at the Environmental Law Institute, and she is also the founder of the Nashville Food Waste Initiative that started back here in 2016 in Nashville, Tennessee. So that's going to kick us off here on this SSDN Green Minds podcast. And then I've talked to three different cities in the Southeast region about what they're doing to mitigate food waste. So first, I'm going to be talking to Asheville, North Carolina, Kira Buland. She's the sustainability coordinator there. And then headed over to Hollywood, Florida. I'll be speaking with Elaine Franklin. She's the environmental sustainability coordinator there. And then to Orlando, Florida, where I'll be talking to Brittany McPeak. She is also the sustainability project coordinator, fully staffed to help with food waste mitigation efforts. So here is the SSDN Green Minds podcast all about food waste. Well, I'm excited to have two very special guests with me today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Linda Bregan and Darby Hoover. How are y'all doing today on this spring day? Wonderfully. Thank you. Yes. It's a nice spring day in Nashville. Yes. The seasons are changing and with spring it comes April with April, it's Earth Month. And so here I'm excited to be celebrating Earth Month, Earth Day, and all the things that go on in between and excited to specifically talk about some of the work that both of you have been doing for a number of years around food waste and reducing food waste, the most important thing. And so I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk to both of you um, I know Darby more on a national perspective in your work with NRDC and then Linda on in your perspective and doing work here in the Nashville community. So we have lots of great conversations to have. And I think first, let's start off with uh, Darby, if you can explain what you do and what NRDC is. Absolutely. Um, So I am a senior resource specialist with the food waste team of our people and communities program at the Natural Resources Defense Council. So assuming we still have room to discuss anything else after I've gotten through that mouthful, (laughs) um, uh, NRDC, Natural Resources Defense Council, is an international environmental advocacy group. We include um, amongst our staff, folks who work on policy, folks who work on uh, programs, folks who uh, are attorneys, folks who are uh, more broad-based issue experts, et cetera, and work on a wide variety of environmental issues. Well, Linda, you certainly have continued your engagement in our community and making it a better place to live and and the health of our environment. Um, Your work as a full-time person at um, the Environmental Law Institute 
ELI, also as being co-chair of Mayor Cooper's Sustainability Advisory Committee, and also being very heavily involved in the launch of the National Food Waste Initiative and the ongoing work around that. Um, Linda, if you wouldn't mind taking just a few minutes to talk about your role, um, you, you can talk a little bit about what ELI is and then Sustainability Advisory Committee and the, the launch of the National Food Waste Initiative. Sure. Well, uh, as you noted, I have several jobs. Uh, my home base is Environmental Law Institute, which is an international NGO based in DC, but I've been working in Nashville for over 20 years. Um, Environmental Law Institute does nonpartisan, non-advocacy work on a really wide range of environmental law and policy topics. We do research, publications, convenings, and I direct um, the Environmental Law Institute Center for State, Tribal, and Local Environmental programs, also a long title like uh, like Darby's. Um, but as um, part of an Environmental Law Institute project many years ago, back in 2015, I started working with NRDC on the National Food Waste Initiative. And so I was the um, project uh, coordinator for several years uh, on the ground here. And now I serve as a senior advisor to the National Food Waste Initiative along with Darby. Um, now, in conjunction with my work on the Food Waste Initiative and other work I do here in Nashville, including as a lecturer in law at Vanderbilt Law School, I do serve as co-chair of Mayor Cooper's Sustainability Advisory Committee. So I, I wasn't kidding when I said I have a lot of jobs. <laughs> and the advisory committee is um, composed of over 40 members and has been very diligent in putting together a climate action report and a variety of other things that are going on to uh, mitigate climate change and adapt to climate change that's happening in our city. So um, you've been involved for a long time, Linda, in that. So why are we talking about food waste? Why should we be concerned about food waste? I'll jump in here. Um, so in 2012, NRDC put out a report called Wasted that highlighted the fact that up to 40% of the food supply in the United States is never eaten. And this is not something that had received widespread attention previous to that report. Uh, but since then, a lot of organizations and groups and government have been galvanized to do additional work on food waste. So what we know is that people are confused about when their food is safe to eat. Um, restaurants and groceries sometimes uh, stock or serve more food than people can eat or turn it over in a way that doesn't necessarily get every piece of food eaten. Um, farmers are sometimes unable to sell their produce if it doesn't look a certain way. At the same time, we've got a tremendous problem with food insecurity. Prior to the pandemic, something like one in eight Americans struggles to put, struggled to put food on the table. So we've got that social dimension of the problem of food waste, which I think was brought into even starker relief by the pandemic. And we also have a whole environmental dimension of that wasted food, which is that um, at every stage of the food system, whether we're growing it, producing it in other ways, manufacturing it, transporting it, storing it, uh, cooking it, serving it, getting, um, getting rid of it, discarding it, that wastes resources at every stage where food is wasted, which is at every stage. So that, of course, in turn leads to um, wastes of resources like water, agricultural land, labor, fertilizer, and produces um, greenhouse gases that are associated with that food that's not eaten. So it's a problem in many different dimensions. And I think 
the positive side of that is that the solutions similarly lie in many different dimensions. So there are solutions at every stage of the food system and ones that can be taken up by anybody. Well, I just want to um, go back and, and take note of something that Darby said, which is it's always been uh, important to address food waste, but it really wasn't until NRDC highlighted this fact, right? I had been working on environmental issues as an environmental lawyer for over a decade. Nobody was talking about food waste and the, a lot of the data were there. So I just really want to recognize NRDC for doing that because it really started such an important dialogue. And as Darby said, it's, um, it's problematic from an environmental perspective, from a social justice perspective, and from a cost perspective. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that they published the Wasted Report uh, because it really has gotten us to focus on this. And, you know, just to reiterate um, what Darby said, um, said about the environmental implications, and I'm not even sure we stated this, but we throw away up to 40% of our food in this country. I mean, that is just a huge, huge amount of food that is being wasted. And so from as climate change becomes more front and center, um, particularly for cities that are feeling the impact um, already, uh, this waste of greenhouse gas emissions and then the methane that's produced from decaying food in landfills is just more and more uh, an important focal point. And not, not to mention our landfills reaching capacity and that we as residents have got to do something. And this is one of the probably, hopefully, one of the easiest ways to try to reduce that waste that is going to the landfill. Yeah, but I would say that you're exactly right, Linda, that food waste had not really been talked about at all um, until the NRDC report wasted. And and the the com companion video is pretty phenomenal in, in terms of getting that visual out there about all of that that waste of food. And I um, opened the refrigerator door and and am almost in tears when I see my molded strawberries because <laughs> looking at that video, um, that was developed, um, it, it makes me embarrassed that I'm in the sustainability field, but yet I am, I am just as bad as everybody else when I buy too much and it goes bad and end up having to do something with it. Um, so let's talk about what to do with it. Um, or what are some best strategies to reduce food waste? Um, there are, as Darby said, there's many elements and sort of compounded above each other when you talk about food and food waste, but what are some best strategies that you all have seen to accomplish this goal? Well, first I would note that I've been working on waste issues generally for decades. And one of the frustra frustrating things about being a person who specializes in waste issues is that often you're forced into a frame of waste management which essentially asks you to take waste as a given and figure out what to do with the mounds of garbage once they already exist. But food waste is one of the subsets of the waste issue that really allows us to focus in on prevention solutions more concretely. So it, what I mean by that is to focus on strategies that keep us from wasting food in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the US EPA put out a, um, handy pyramid that is the food recovery hierarchy that suggests that the greatest social and environmental and financial benefits associated with food waste reduction are in order to prevent food from going to waste in the first place, then ensure that any surplus food is redirected to feed people, then uh, feed animals and engage in other food scrap recycling behaviors like composting. 
And I think that's a good guideline. Uh, in reality, we don't implement those strategies in order. We don't just start with prevention and maximize everything that can be done there and then work our way down to the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, in, in fact, in many cases, we start with composting. But no matter where you start, that pyramid is a useful guide to remind us to devote most of our energy and our resources toward the top of the pyramid, toward those prevention type solutions, and then make sure that food is eaten. So I guess um, for me, the shorthand on that is food should be eaten by people first, then by animals, then by the soil. So that for me helps align those strategies that make sure that we value food and look at food as a resource slightly different in every stage, which is why at NRDC, we refer to preventing food from going to waste, rescuing surplus food, and recycling food scraps, rather than just saying, prevent, rescue, and recycle food waste, because mm -hmm. we're not rescuing food waste. We're <laughs> rescuing healthy, whole surplus food that is suitable for donating to people. And we want to make sure that we clarify and highlight that at each of those stages, there is a different resource that we're talking about. And in those earlier stages, we're talking about food that should be used to feed people because it is perfectly good, wholesome, and uh, should be used in that way. And, you know, here in the ground in Nashville, it won't surprise you that we pay a lot of attention to the hierarchy. And I say it shouldn't surprise you because Darby was our major advisor in developing our strategies. Um, so we do try to focus as much as we can on prevention and then rescue of surplus food and recycling of food scraps. But we also have several types of approaches that we strategically uh, employ here. So the way we think about this is we have education and outreach about the problem and ways to address it. We also do a fair amount of research, especially early on, to identify barriers to addressing food waste and also opportunities. And Darby, I'm sure, can talk later about you know, baseline data about how much food is being wasted in what sectors. Um, we also do a lot of policy development, working with municipalities, as Laura well knows, uh, to try to integrate food waste reduction into the way the city operates, whether it's procurement or climate action planning. And then uh, the fourth area would be capacity building, just helping organizations develop the resources and tools they need to address food waste. Uh, and I should also mention that um, from a strategy perspective, our partner Todd Lawrence with the Urban Green Lab, um, Urban Green Lab has adopted the Nashville Food Waste Initiative pilot as a permanent project, which um, Darby and I were both absolutely um, delighted uh, about. And uh, the way that Todd talks about this is working from the top down and the bottom up, right? So Urban Green Lab works bottom up, teacher training, curriculum development, community education on sustainable lifestyles. Whereas Environmental Law Institute, my organization and in and, and our work with NRDC as well, you could say we work a little more top down in that we're developing policies and ordinances that cities can use to address food waste. And we can talk about this more later, but for example, we just published with NRDC a compost procurement policy, a model that cities can use. Well, thinking about from the city perspective, um, some of those listening in uh, work in municipalities and lead sustainability initiatives in cities, city governments, and are looking for ways to, to reduce food waste. So 
Um, what are some of the things that you would recommend as a strategy and, and, and from like a 101 to begin with and um, work up to, and then as well, what type of tools are available at NRDC and perhaps also the, the National Food Waste Initiative that could be helpful too? Well, NRDC has been really excited about working with cities and again, beginning with Nashville, but, but um, building on that work to partner with a number of other cities including the 15 cities who are currently participating in our regional initiative, which includes three cohorts, a Great Lakes cohort, a Mid-Atlantic cohort, and of course, a Southeast cohort, which is being captained by Nashville. And part of the reason that NRDC has been so interested in partnering with cities on food waste reduction is that cities, we think, are motivated to tackle food waste for a number of reasons. One is that Cities in the US are primarily the ones who are responsible for arranging for and paying for waste management. And I'm using that deliberately. So once it already has been generated, um, cities, municipalities, um, counties are, are usually the entities who are responsible for financing some method of uh, transporting and disposing of that waste. So cities have a big financial stake here. Cities are also increasingly interested in becoming involved in efforts to stem hunger in their um, communities. And so wasting less food is obviously helpful along those lines. Redirecting surplus food to people in need is part of that. And then many, many cities increasingly are developing zero waste plans or sustainability plans, climate action plans, et cetera, which are all great opportunities to include food waste. Um, as a climate solution, as a zero waste solution, food is the most prevalent material that is going to landfills from municipalities. So if municipalities are looking for ways to cut down on the amount of waste that they're sending to landfill and looking at their waste streams, most of them are going to find that the biggest bang for their buck is in tackling food waste because that's where that's the greatest proportion of what they're sending to a landfill. So cities are or should be motivated to tackle food waste on a number of fronts. And cities are also uniquely positioned to tackle food waste on a variety of fronts. So cities have ways to reach out to consumers and provide consumer education on preventing food waste. Cities are uh, becoming more and more involved in food rescue efforts so that it's not just the nonprofits and other folks who are responsible for directing that surplus food. Um, and cities can be and are responsible for setting up um, industrial composting uh, efforts so that cities, again, can be providing both the facilities to process those materials as well as the infrastructure to collect those materials. Um, NRDC has, for cities who are looking to tackle food waste, a toolkit that I think is a really good start. And the easiest way to find this is just to go to nrdc.org slash food matters, which is where all of our resources for cities to, on food waste reduction are located, and look for um, a section that is called um, Tackling Food Waste in Cities, a Policy and Program Toolkit. And what we've done there is just take 10 different strategies that are broken down into four different areas. So mirroring the waste reduction hierarchy our first, um, actually our first section is not in the typical hierarchy, which is called rethink. And what we mean by rethink is um, the strategies that let you look at where in your um, policy and program structure as a city, there are opportunities and or barriers in adopting food waste reduction solutions. So um, 
among those include get a handle on understanding where your food waste is being generated and how much of that is being generated. So NRDC has a number of reports, including our initial report on estimating quantities and types of food waste at the city level, which features Nashville and as well as Denver and New York City that talks about ways that cities can measure how much food is going to waste in their city in their boundaries but we've also recently produced a report called feeding a city and again all of these are available at nrdc.org food matters which analyzes results from 22 different u.s cities spread out around the country from which we can say okay in most cities in the u.s about a third of the uh, waste generation on a sector basis is coming from residents and about a third is coming from restaurants and then the others are spread among things like food manufacturing and processing um, food uh, other types of food service schools etc so knowing where your waste is coming from helps you figure out where to adopt your strategies and implement those and then looking at other ways to rethink strategies like setting waste reduction targets um, laying groundwork for at um, broader food waste prevention through city-based efforts, looking at what agencies can do, um, looking at changes in how your waste systems are financed and looking at other kinds of policies that may be providing opportunities or barriers. And then the other sections of the toolkit are reduce, rescue, and recycle. And uh, within each of those, there are strategies that talk about how to tackle um, both at the policy and program level, different strategies that will help reduce food waste. So I would suggest to cities to start there and look at where your city is and look at where some of the potential opportunities are. And I think, I mean, the, the toolkits that NRDC has developed are extremely helpful. Um, but I, I also want to say that if you are in a very small town or your agenda is packed and you just don't think you can make any, you know, meaningful progress, some of my best memories of working on the National Food Waste Initiative were in that first year where we just brought people together. Mm -hmm. We did a whole series of convenings where, you know, we, we sometimes we did it in connection with a film showing and then had a discussion. There are several films out there about food waste that are excellent, including uh, Anthony Bourdain's um, Wasted film. Um, sometimes we had panel discussions, but sometimes we just invited people and we had a whole group of tables and every table got some questions to discuss. And the kind of questions we asked were, you know, what are the barriers to reducing food waste? What should the message emphasize? For example, one of the things we heard loud and clear was don't talk so much about the climate change aspects here in Nashville. Talk about the surplus food rescue aspects or, you know, just the importance of, of not wasting things. Um, so those just getting people together there was so much energy and excitement in the room. And I feel like there were so many spin-offs that the city didn't have to do. It was just bringing people together to brainstorming and, and get excited about an issue. So, you know, if you don't have the resources and you don't have the time, even those small little baby steps, I think can really help. And another thing that we did was we convened a little advisory committee early on, not of experts on food waste, but of opinion leaders in our community. And the idea there was let's get these opinion leaders educated and let them go out and talk about how food waste is important. That's, and that's totally right, Linda. In our um, Southeast cohort of the Food Matters Regional Initiative, we have a, a array of cities of different sizes. So again, obviously Nashville is 
kind of the captain of that cohort. The other participants uh, in the Southeast cohort are uh, Atlanta, Orlando, Memphis, and Asheville, North Carolina. So we've got a real range of sizes there. Asheville's a pretty small town, but what we've seen is that even in a, a small town like Asheville, they're able to enlist um, engagement from the county, from surrounding areas, and, and tap into some of those community resources, which are just as important as the city-based um, policy and program efforts that are outlined in something like our policy and program toolkit. And I think what Linda's talking about around activating the community can happen anywhere and, and with very um, low input of resources. Um, things like showing films and having panel discussions. That's another thing that we did in Nashville. And um, some of our cities are doing things like holding food preservation workshops, which teach people how to, how to value and store their food in ways that, again, will lead to wasting less food. But it comes at it from a different angle, and it's very based on a community level. Community composting initiatives, all these different kinds of things that really can be about bringing people together at various levels of community, neighborhood, or other kinds of, of community to, to tackle these questions. Yeah, and I was just going to piggyback off on the fact that I, I recall those those beginning meetings, and it was people that I would have never thought to invite to the table, or that Linda invited to the table to have these discussions, which was our food bank and the National Food Project, which is um, they cook food and distribute it, but they also save food and distribute to those in need. And then we had um, campus entities such as schools or universities or even um, our, our sheriff's office there. And then you had uh, supportive nonprofits, compost companies or entities that support compost and then city, city agencies that um, are working to reduce food waste in one way or the the other, and even the public, the, the service, social services organizations too, that um, are trying to recapture food and, and bring it to those who need it. So um, it is a very, as both of you mentioned, it's a very broad and diverse audience that has a, has a role in this really, and has a voice. And you never know who is going to just, you know, get motivated and move forward. I mean, I never would have thought, for example, the Nature Center at um, our wonderful Warner Parks here would end up being our lead, one of our leading um, advocates from an educational perspective. They've hosted numerous events around food waste. And we have other entities that are doing composting next to gardens and are willing to put up signs that educate people about why composting is important. So it, it can be um, it can be a surprise sometimes <laughs> which organizations and individuals um, this issue really resonates with and, and they want to go out there and do something about it. But I did want to mention that we're increasingly focused on developing model ordinances and model policies, like the literal language, because what we're finding is that even in a city the size of Nashville, there are just not that many sustainability professionals on staff, Laurel, as you are well aware. And, um, you know, there's just not the time to go out there and research best practices or even read some of the wonderful best practices reports that are out there and then sit down, you know, by, at your laptop and actually write the language. And so what we're finding is if we can provide some off the shelf or as, as people here say, plug and play um, ordinances and policies, that that is extremely helpful in terms of actually 
getting action at the municipal level. And what we always do when we do these templates is we have a companion document that has commentary that explains why why um, we took the approach we took in the model, but then also offers alternative approaches with resources about cities that have um, taken an alternative approach, because that way um, cities can tailor a model um, to their own needs and situation. I'll just quickly add that even though we've talked a lot about um, reports and uh, tools and directed folks to different websites, that one of the great things about working on this issue is that everyone is an expert in something. Everyone has a tip for how they, uh, you know, grew potatoes from one that sprouted eyes, or how they um, have a recipe for pickling, or something like that. Or their grandmother has this great recipe for beet greens, and they never ate beet greens before they had their grandmother's recipe, or something like that. So I'd encourage people to reach out to one another, to your family members, to your friends, to your neighbors. Um, these uh, groups, like buy nothing groups that have sprouted up, which enable you to share resources locally can be resources for sharing things like, hey, I've got extra lemons on my tree, anybody want some? So there are a lot of different ways that we can all be actively engaged in valuing and saving our food and keeping it from being wasted. And you don't have to read all these reports to be able to access some great ideas. It's a great way to, to wrap up our conversation. Uh, well, Darby and Linda, thank you again for taking time to be with us. Well, thank you so much for having us and for being interested in this issue. And you have actually been quite a champion um, here in Nashville, and we greatly appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Laura. You're listening to the SSDN Green Minds podcast. And a huge thank you to my special guests who joined me as we talked about national efforts around food waste, including Darby Hoover from the Natural Resource Defense Council and Linda Bregan, who's the co-chair of the Mayor's Sustainability Advisory Committee here in Nashville, Tennessee, and the founder of the Nashville Food Waste Initiative. Now I'm going to head into three different cities. I had great conversations with them about their great work around reducing food waste in their communities, kicking off with Asheville, North Carolina, with Kira Bolin here on SSDN Green Minds Podcast. And I'm excited to once again have a special guest with me from the city of Asheville, North Carolina, the sustainability coordinator for the Office of Sustainability, Kira Bulin. How's it going, Kira? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Laurel. Great. Well, thank you for being with me. I'm excited to be talking to cities about food waste mitigation and the work around it. And I was really pleased to see and hear about the work that's happening in Asheville. Um, so what, can you take us a little bit on the journey on how the food waste initiative and mitigation efforts started in the city of Nashville, in Asheville? Yes, no problem. We are a relatively small city. We have a population of about 90,000. And I think 89,900 of those people are really excited about composting. <laughs> Just kidding. But there's been a lot of interest. There's been a lot of interest from our residents in, in how can we compost? How can the city support more composting? How can the city support more organic um, diversion from the landfill? And so that's sort of been the community interest in pursuing this work. And on the other kind of side of the food waste hierarchy, we have a really strong network of organizations that are involved in food redistribution, um, food rescue organizations. We have a strong food bank or, and we have uh, organizations that are active just really across the, the spectrum of, of food waste reduction. And so we have been involved, we at the city of Asheville 
have been involved kind of under the leadership of those organizations over the past five years in bringing organizations, individuals, institutions who are interested in food waste together to do better networking, resource sharing, just kind of trying to connect the dots um, between institutions and organizations that are really active within their sector. And so we've kind of uh, created this, or, this entity, it's more of a network than an organization called Food Waste Solutions Western North Carolina. And the city is one player at the table amongst uh, many, many organizations um, that are there just trying to, to elevate the work, trying to, to create those networks and, and the cross-pollination that happens when people share their work and their ideas. And so that's been active since 2017, but the city of Asheville kind of stepped into a little bit more leadership when we were applied for and were accepted to be a part of the NRDC Food Matters Southeastern cohort in the summer of 2020. And that was an opportunity where we could sort of weave together this network of food waste solutions entities and also our community interest in composting to as one of the strategies that we began to try to chip away at through our, our work with the Southeastern cohort and as and tapping into that technical assistance and our own peer network of other cities who are who are interested in this work and many who are a lot farther down the road than we are kind of leaning on that expertise to be able to to pilot some some strategies, comp including compost, but not limited to. Um, and yeah, kind of bring together that that institutional knowledge amongst our organizations and our and our interest from our our residents in town and doing a better job keeping those organics out of the landfill. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the landfill, I, I know certainly I've referenced in the city of Nashville, we're having issues with our landfills being fully um, complete and potentially having to close and find new land in the next three to five years. Is that a similar circumstance that's happening in Asheville? That is certainly the threat. We're not on quite as tight of a timeline is that, but it, within our city, we have, a, we have a municipal waste reduction goal. And so we're committed to figuring out strategies to keep our as much waste as possible out of the landfill. So that includes some of our recycling education and outreach, and then also thinking about our organics and, and alternate, um, alternate means to dispose of our organics outside of the landfill, short of curbside composting, which is not something that we have the capacity for um, exploring at, at this time. So that's kind of been our challenge is what can we do and um, towards towards an end of more organics diversion that is not a full on curbside composting program. Mm -hmm. Well, the website, the Western North Carolina Food Waste website called it's wncfoodwaste.org is really beautiful site. I love the hierarchy, the food recovery hierarchy that you've identified and highlighted in these beautiful colors about source reduction, feed hungry people, feed animals, industrial uses, composting and landfill. And um, I uh, kudos to getting that up and running and, and the, that big partnership that started out in 2017. I'm sure that was not an easy task. Yeah, it's interesting. It's been really sort of, you know, pardon the pun, a kind of organic evolution of, of a partnership. And it came about really as, as the summit was organizing and kind of a way for us to bring together some of our larger institutions like the University of North Carolina Asheville is really doing an amazing job with food rescue and on-site composting. Um, and so we had some, some big 
model institutions like UNC Asheville. And then we also have some of our nonprofit organizations who are rescuing food and bringing it to communities in need or organizations that are feeding our, our populations in need. And then our food banks and our food mm -hmm. production organizations and kind of across the spectrum. And we knew that we had resources to share and that there were kind of gaps in how we were addressing the hierarchy, but you know how it is. Everybody is going full tilt in their own direction and, and there's good intention, but there just usually isn't time, right? And so we can kind of made this effort to carve out the time to just network really, and just to be able to share those ideas and kind of wait to see what sparked from that. So over the course of, the, of time through that Food Waste Solutions Western North Carolina, um, initial summit in 2017, we really came out and said, let's just do education and networking. Like, let's just talk to each other more and, and make that doable commitment to each other. And then kind of came back and worked on that through quarterly meetings and reconvened in 2019 with a, another sort of larger summit. I said, okay, maybe we're ready to, to think about policy or think about kind of larger initiatives that are across our sectors. Like what identifies some some tipping point strategies, like what can we do together that's different than any one of us are doing already in our individual organizations. Um, then of course it was 2020. So mm -hmm. we lost a little momentum mm -hmm. there in terms of like getting people together and getting stuff done. Um, and so had a, a relatively good pause there. And, and I think it was helpful for us and our momentum that that aligned with our engagement with NRDC because that was an opportunity that the city of Asheville could sort of pick up that role where we, you know, we're one person at the table with food waste solutions, but we had an opportunity through this technical assistance and connection with our peers in the Southeastern cohort to just identify some discrete strategies and really lean on the expertise of NRDC's work with other cities around the country and say, okay, well, we can kind of move some of these things forward internally. Like what can we do with the city of Asheville? And we identified a proclamation, which we did in April of 2021 proclaiming mm -hmm. April Food Waste Reduction Month, sort of move that through our processes. Um, we did a food waste audit. So we conducted snapshot food waste audits, drawing on toolkits that NRDC had created and the EPA food waste audit toolkit and sort of modifying those to work within some of our recreation centers. So just kind of like looking at what we, what the waste that we're creating in our recreation centers. And that served us kind of thinking about analyzing and most importantly, from our capacity standpoint, talking to the public and to our own peers within you know, city government staff about, about the issues of food waste reduction. And so our food waste audit didn't necessarily result in us changing all the policies for our recreation centers around how we donate food or how we package food. But it did give us some talking points and reflection, sort of like slow roll the catalyst for us um, initiating those kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations. And that's kind of been our overarching strategy. Like we're not going to turn the Titanic of our food waste um, through our through big sweeping policy changes right now in the city of Asheville. But we do understand that if we can look at various um, do some analysis on our various sectors, like our recreation centers, around a proclamation, around a composting initiative, which I'll talk a little bit more, and then wrap them all into our fourth strategy, which is which is public education. And so, really thinking about how do we impact the individual household, where we understand the majority of food waste is happening, and how do we connect as many different talking points as possible to to 
this is not that heavy of a lift. You can do it at home. And also your individual action matters to these multiple um, issues related to the environment, to the economy, to our greenhouse gas emissions. And so just trying to sort of like come at that from as many different directions as possible and really helping people understand the capacity for their impact. So even with our audits, which have been internal, we've done at this point, we've done three. We did our recreation centers. We partnered with Buncombe County to do their administrative offices. That's the county that the city of Asheville is situated in. And then just two weeks ago, we did a little city county waste off. So we collected a week's worth of trash from city hall and a week's worth of trash from the county's administrative offices and just sort of analyzed both of them separately and said, How's, how are you doing? How's the city doing? And Really, for both of those, it's, you know, maybe we can identify some kind of low hanging fruit, like policies that we can change or practices that we can change. But also it gives us um, some real numbers that we can communicate to to our own city staff and our community members about. And Kira, that's that's really impressive thinking through about the audit that you did. So who did that? Was that you and other city staff or did you have volunteers or did you partner with an agency to do that audit process? Yeah, we did it ourselves and we invited in community volunteers. We had a little volunteer participation. Um, it's varied with each of the three audits that we've conducted so far. It's a we've done it with a pretty small group um, and it's really fun, actually. I mean, I guess it takes a certain definition of fun <laughs> to decide that you want to go out and like dump a bunch of trash. We did it on our what's called Pack Square Park. It's right. This is the one we did two weeks ago, a big public park right out in front of City Hall. And there's a stage, you know, for weekend performances and that kind of thing. And we just dumped it all out there. And, you know, there's stuff that should have gone in the recycling. So there's a sort of side benefit to our waste reduction goal. We're getting metrics on like what recyclables are going into the trash and doing, you know, some analysis on that. And then we're, we're deeper diving on the food waste because this is kind of part of our food matters cohort um, strategy. And we're saying what, not only what could have been eaten. So, mm -hmm. you know, let's do a better job with our trying to plan out our portions or saving food for later or whatever, but also what, maybe could have been donated or their whole, if there were a donation program, like, and this was really relevant at our, at our recreation centers, you know, there's like packaged snacks and other things that if there were avenues to be able to actually donate that food in other places, how much, what, what kind of volume or weight are we looking at with donatable food? And then mm -hmm. we look at non-edible foods, so your banana peels and your eggshells and that, that sort of like compost worthy, but mm -hmm. coming from food. And then general compostables, which is generally bags and bags and bags of hand tissues from the bathroom, like mm -hmm. all of the paper towels that if they had somewhere else to go, would really decrease our volume. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, just looking at those numbers. Now, does the city of Asheville, are you also responsible for um, the jails and convention center where there's more potential for food waste happening? We, uh, the city of Asheville runs a convention center in our town. So there is, that is one place. We don't run the jails. It's a county operation. Although I should say, and I'm not sure I mentioned this earlier, but we've been, we've been really intentional around partnering with the county through our food matters initiative at the city, where we're really trying to do our food scraps collection, our education and outreach, our audits, like doing all of that together because it's a relatively small area and the nuance of who's 
who's eligible for which programs is mostly lost on people. So we're really mm-hmm. trying to make that effort of just saying like, this is a thing that everybody does. It's not just a Nashville thing. There are opportunities for everyone to mm-hmm. participate and, and partnering with the county on that work. So we haven't targeted the, the civic center or the jail system, although we did consider that briefly, but we just didn't really quite feel like we had the, yeah. we had the right timing to do that yet. But yeah, totally opportunities there. Well, now you had mentioned composting, which is about uh, fifth down the hierarchy. So that's like second to last you want to do, but still extraordinarily important to reduce landfill waste. Um, So yes, I was really impressed with the the composting programs you have, such as the food scraps drop off um, at different centers across city and backyard composting. So do you want to dive in a little bit into sharing some information about those programs? Sure. Yeah, we have for many years, um, the city of Asheville and our sanitation and our office of sustainability have partnered with community organizations around general backyard composting education. So workshops, giving my materials and information on the Internet and, you know, trying to encourage people to backyard compost when when possible. And also, we understand that that's just not a possibility for some people. We have the unique problem of black bears in our community, lots of them. And so there's a very real, um, uh, a very real opportunity for people to have their compost visited by very large creatures. And then, you know, of course, regular compost um, other environment that might come to your compost. It's not for everybody is what I'm saying. <laughs> and and some people are in multifamily housing or for any other reason, compost, backyard compost is not an option. So we kn- understood and knew that, that there may be people willing to keep that organic matter out of the landfill that just didn't have the opportunity to do so. And I appreciate you saying that compost is five, right? So we feel like compost is kind of like our gateway to com- communicating higher up, up the hierarchy because it is something that's high, relatively high on the radar of our community. And also if we could reduce it before it got there through our shopping practices or our cooking or our reuse, that would be better. And then when we get to composting, we want to make sure that anybody that has any inkling whatsoever to compost has some opportunity to do so. So that's kind of what we're working towards is being able to do both of those things at once. And so in addition to our backyard composting initiatives, we launched, and this is still in the pilot phase, um, but we launched a food scraps drop-off program in the fall, just recently, in the fall of 2021. So we rolled it out internally in in September to city and county employees to just figure out what we don't know yet around the logistics. Mm-hmm. and did it internally for about a month and then launched publicly in October. And we've got about 1,250 families enrolled so far in the program and have diverted 15 tons of organic waste. Wow. That's huge. It's huge. So so much. (laughs) And this is really two, two sites so far. We have a site at the landfill, which the county operates and is a little bit outside of town. And then we have our what we call our food scrap shed at Stevens Lee Recreation Center, which is right in downtown Asheville. And it is literally a shed with seven 55-gallon roll carts inside of it. And people register for the program. It's free to register. They sign up and kind of get the spiel on how it works and what's, what is and isn't acceptable. It, what's nice about this, um, the food scrap option, even if you are a backyard composter, is because we have a contract with a municipal, composting service we work with Mm -hmm. Danny's dumpster 
we can take, you know, bones and fats and mm -hmm. other meat, animal products and other things that cannot be composted safely in our own backyard. So some people use it even though they also backyard compost. And our intention, our hope is to, we have some proof of concept. People are willing to drive their food scraps around and we have some proof of interest. Lots of people have signed up and our hope is to be able to take it more into the neighborhood. So to have less of a relatively big shed, which Stevensley is like a backyard kind of prefab shed with these, with these bins inside of it and do kind of more of like a smaller system at more recreations, library, recreation centers, libraries, other places where people kind of already go in the course of their day to make it as close by. You know, we don't want people driving all over town with their food scraps, but like defeats the purpose a little bit. So mm -hmm. you have to drive less to get there. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. in, you know, in your regular routine. And I think that would best serve people. Mm -hmm. And um, top of that, it sounds like you have an, a big event happening on May 1st, the Chef's Challenge event, which we had sort of something similar in Nashville um, recently, actually for the past two years in a row. So tell me a little bit about that event. Yeah, we're excited about that. That kind of co comes out of our fourth strategy with the Food Matters Program, which is our public engagement campaign. And mm -hmm. we try to tie all of our other um, strategies into that. We talked about the proclamation. We publish results from the audits. We, you know, obviously do a lot of outreach around the food scrap drop-off. And then we do a, a kind of concentrated campaign, social media campaign for the month of April. The county this year joined on and, and issued their own proclamation around Food Waste Reduction Month. So we have a social media home, home food waste challenge where we're asking people to kind of engage with their home food waste hacks or try out one of the suggested ones we have on our little bingo card and just kind of get some engagement around that. And then this is the first year we're launching this kind of um, capstone event. So the end of Food Waste Reduction Month, we're going to have this, this taste it, don't waste it is what mm -hmm. we're calling it. And mm -hmm. it's a chef cook off. We have four kind of celebrity chefs from Asheville who are gathering scraps from their own restaurants and preparing some kind of tasty bites. I don't know what they're going to be, but they'll be served up and we'll have a little friendly voting contest and see who makes the tastiest recycled food <laughs> bites. Nice. We're excited about it. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, Carrie, you've got so much going on in the city of Asheville around food waste, education and mitigation. I wish we had tons more time to dive in deeper, but for those that are listening in, you can find out more information on the Asheville's website at ashevillenc.gov slash green. And the West North Carolina initiative is at wncfoodwaste.org. And Kara, keep up the great work. Um, we'll probably be following up with you for a deeper dive into some of the, the work that you're doing and maybe bring on some, some partner agencies in the near future for another Green Minds podcast. So thank you. I love it. Sounds great. Thank you. It's great chatting with you. You're listening to SSDN's Green Mind Podcast here, and I'm Laurel with you, co-host with Catherine Mercer-Baggett. We're continuing our conversation about food waste reduction efforts across the Southeast region. Just had a great conversation there with Asheville, North Carolina's Kira Bullen. Now we're going to head down to Hollywood, Florida with Elaine Franklin. She's the Environmental Sustainability Coordinator down in Hollywood, Florida. You're listening to the SSTN Green Minds podcast, and now my special guest is Elaine Franklin, the Environmental Sustainability Coordinator for the City of Hollywood, Florida. How's it going, Elaine? Good, Laurel. How are you? 
Good. Thank you for joining me today. I think it'll be helpful for our listeners who may not be familiar with the city of Hollywood, just to give a little bit of overview of where you're located and your population size. Great. Well, the city of Hollywood is south of Fort Lauderdale and north of Miami. We are in between those two better known cities. And Hollywood is about 27 square miles of land with a five mile coastline. And we have over 150,000 people in our population. Uh, We also host a large number of visitors, uh, winter visitors, um, people coming from Canada for the winter. Hollywood is a popular place. And how long have you been with the city of Hollywood? I've been with the city for three and a half years. And what is your role in Compass? And of course, we'll talk about food waste reduction um, and some of the other efforts about uh, waste reduction. But what are some of the other things that you work on? As the Environmental Sustainability Coordinator, I work with pretty much all of the departments in our city. Uh, My position is situated in the Public Works Department. And in our city, Public Works oversees maintenance of our assets and resources and solid waste collection and handling. Um, But I also work with our public utilities department, which oversees uh, production of drinking water, treatment of wastewater and stormwater, Uh, our parks and rec department, our development services department, which oversees building permits and things like that. And a new department that we have called design and construction management. Our city issued several bonds in the past several years to do some major projects which include um, renovating a couple of golf courses and uh, club buildings that are on those properties, building a new police headquarters and renovating uh, many of our city parks. So I've been involved with staff uh, that are working on those projects as well to provide input on sustainable measures that we can implement as we make these changes in our city. Mm-hmm. Great wide breadth of work that you're doing in the city of Hollywood. Well, let's talk about food waste mitigation. And I'm sure Hollywood is similar to other cities across the country where uh, over a third of the food waste going to landfill, I mean, f- of the waste going to landfill is food waste. So what are some of the things that the city of Hollywood is doing? One of the things that we've been doing over the past couple of years is focusing on our participation in Food Waste Prevention Week. That is an event that just started in 2021 for the first time. It's been the first week of April for the past two years. So we just celebrated the second Food Waste Prevention Week, April 4th through the 8th. And through Food Waste Prevention Week, we highlighted how people can save money uh, by reducing their food waste and also protect the environment and help to reduce hunger. One of the major activities with that uh, week was Bad Apple Bingo, which encourages people to not let good food go bad. And we had a series of social media posts that we sent out to educate people about the different elements of food waste, how they can um, learn more about what the shelf life of food actually is, some food storage tips, uh, what the sell-by date actually means, how they can make new meals from leftovers, meal planning to reduce over-purchasing, how they can use food scraps to make broths, teas, infusing oils and making syrups, how they can compost at home if that's something that they're interested in and donating edible food to food rescue organizations to help save food and reduce hunger. And there was a food waste prevention pledge that we encouraged people to take. 
Wow, that is a, that is a lot of activity. How is that being received? Are you seeing an uptick in interest and potentially participation? It is. It has been well received so far. Yes, uh, our social media posts have gotten a lot of coverage. Um, we had a Save the Food Fest event at the end of that week on Saturday, April 9th. That was the first time that we had that festival. It was very well received. It had a really great um, energy in terms of the vendors and exhibitors that attended and the attendees. They seemed to really enjoy that event. It was unique in that it was kind of like a walking workshop where uh, people could go from table to table and learn different skills, pick up free plants and seeds, sample different foods. Um, one of the tables we had was a tropical fruit tasting table. And one reason we wanted to have that is here in South Florida, people can grow such a wide variety of fruit trees. Uh, and there's many types of tropical fruits that people can grow here and they may not be familiar with them. But when you give people the chance to taste something, then they're more likely to make that leap uh, and possibly go out and buy a fruit tree and plant it in their own yard so that they can um, increase their own food security and have uh, more variety right at home and save money by producing food at their, at their home. We also gave away some small uh, seedlings, different species, things like chaya, which is uh, a leaf, uh, a green leafy plant that people can eat, cranberry hibiscus, which is a plant um, that's produced to make tea. You can actually buy cranberry hibiscus tea in the store, but here in South Florida, you can grow it in your yard. Allspice is another plant that grows uh, here in South Florida quite well. Um, and yucca, also known as cassava, people can grow in their yards. So we were giving away these seedlings so that people could take them home and grow them at home. Um, in addition, we had chefs doing demonstrations. Uh, one was doing a demonstration using local ingredients like uh, prickly pear cactus and jackfruit to make fresh salad. She basically, the chef, she opened her fridge and said, what can I take out of here and put together to make a delicious meal? So she pulled out several ingredients, uh, chopped them all up together, dressed them with a nice light dressing, and she found it was delicious. So she did a demonstration of this type of salad at our event and provided samples for everybody. There was also a company called Renewable doing a demonstration on home composting. They also provide a service for anyone who either doesn't want to compost at home or maybe doesn't have a setup to be able to compost at home. They will provide a subscription service where um, they provide a bucket that people can put their food scraps in and have their buckets picked up bi-weekly or weekly depending on their needs. And then the company will compost the uh, food scraps for them. We also had a demonstration on how to propagate plants, um, how to make tea from food scraps and how to make broth from food scraps. So people were able to learn a lot of different things, uh, try different foods and just have a really good time on a beautiful day in South Florida. Nice. Now is the city of Hollywood partnering with other organizations to help further speed up the reduction of food waste? Absolutely. So Food Waste Prevention Week is actually organized by a group of partners. And one of those is the Food Conservation Alliance, which is based here in South Florida. So we have worked with them pretty closely on um, pulling different activities together to educate people about how to reduce food waste and uh, what to do with their food scraps, how we can divert um, this organic material from the uh, waste stream into a composting stream where 
those uh, food materials can be recovered and turned back into soil and rich amendments to um, help the environment and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So for the Save the Food Fest specifically, we partnered with the Food Conservation Alliance and Broward STEM, the uh, education group, mm-hmm. along with Heal the Planet, Circle of Life, uh, which is based at Snyder Park in Fort Lauderdale. They have created a food forest and butterfly garden there. Um, that organization was running tours during the Save the Food Fest. And Renewable, the composting company, they were another major partner on pulling this event together. So amongst all of us, we were able to increase our reach uh, to educate as many people as possible, not just in Hollywood, but in the surrounding cities as well. And do you see uh, the out the outtake of an event like that continuing the efforts to continue throughout the year to reduce food waste? Yes, uh, we've been encouraging people to continue to take the pledge. Um, the thing about food waste is, you know, everybody can have an impact on on food waste. So everybody eats, uh, therefore everybody has an impact um, on the environment through their food choices. So we are encouraging people to be mindful about that throughout the year. Um, Here in Hollywood, you know, climate change is a big threat. Reducing our greenhouse gas emissions is key to that. And uh, reducing food waste is one of those key elements to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Because when we can keep food um, out of the landfill, we can reduce methane production and other greenhouse gases. So for anyone who is concerned um, about you know, how they can have an impact on climate change, thinking about the types of food they eat and um, how they can reduce their food waste is one of those key elements that, that people can take action every day. And I don't know if uh, the city of Hollywood, similar to Nashville in our middle Tennessee region, we've got our landfills are almost completely full and we're, we're really uh, at a, a, a turning point in terms of determining whether to expand those to look at new locations or of course adopt, which we have adopted a zero waste plan out to 2050. But do you all have issues with your landfill filling up as well? Uh, dealing with, excuse me, dealing with waste in the region in general is a big topic of conversation. There is a consortium of uh, different cities and Broward County, uh, Hollywood is part of Broward County. So there has been a conversation going on um, amongst the different partners to deal with the solid waste issue. One of the things that they've been talking about is uh, looking at waste to energy. And Mm -hmm. one of the issues with waste to energy, of course, is that when you're burning our waste, which is all types of things, you know, food and plastic and anything that we throw away, there can be issues with uh, toxins and contaminants going into the air as well into the, as into the water. And um, of course the ash and material that's left over once it's burned. Another issue with waste to energy is you have this built-in drive to provide waste to burn Uh, in order to produce energy. So waste to energy, while uh, it's a solution that we've used over the years, is really one that we um, should think very carefully about uh, and see what other options we have, because we're at a point where we need to reduce our waste all around as much as possible, um, reduce our consumption uh, in various ways, and really only use what we need 
Um, so finding other ways to uh, deal with our waste and reduce waste in, in all different areas, whether it's organic or inorganic, um, we need to do this urgently, uh, as you say, to uh, deal with the issue of, um, of landfills reaching capacity and then having to find other means of dealing with our waste. And Elaine, I would ha I definitely want to highlight something else you guys are doing in the city of Hollywood, which is very impressive. The plastic and foam free Hollywood beach city owned properties and city vendors, which is extraordinarily impressive from what I've been reading. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. We have two ordinances in our city currently. We have one ordinance that was passed several decades ago. People were very, had a lot of foresight. Um, they passed an ordinance decades ago that banned plastics and polystyrene or styrofoam at businesses on the barrier island. So where that five miles of coastline is, we have a very busy uh, urban broadwalk with lots of um, restaurants, other businesses, hotels, uh, condos. So there are a lot of um, entities on the beach and that original ordinance applies to restaurants and other food vendors. So with that ordinance, it went into, uh, it went into action in late 2018 and that required that restaurants serving food outdoors or for takeaway uh, could no longer use um, plastic or styrofoam for the packaging. So they had to switch to biodegradable. It also does not allow compostable items. Uh, many manufacturers have been coming up with alternatives to plastic, and some of those have been plastic-like um, bioplastic items. If you see a plastic-looking cup uh, that's called bioplastic, that's um, an example of, of um, that type of material that's become very popular recently. Utensils that are compostable have also become very popular, and they look very much like plastic. Unfortunately, what we find is that those compostable items in the environment behave just like plastic. And those compostable items can only be composted in industrial facilities, which we don't have in our region yet. So that ordinance requires that items that replace those plastic um, disposable items be biodegradable. So they have to be of a a plant fiber material like paper plates, paper cups, bamboo or wooden utensils, paper straws, hay straws, things like that. Um, so that's one way that we're reducing plastic and uh, litter in our environment. The more recent ordinance that we passed in 2020 applies citywide, but it applies to city facilities, uh, our city parks. It applies to the beach and the broadwalk. Uh, it also applies to any vendor selling items to our city and anyone requiring a special event permit. So uh, nowadays, um, if you visit our beautiful Hollywood beach, you need to leave your single use plastic water bottles and grocery bags or styrofoam cups, solo cups, those all need to stay at home. Um, those are not allowed on our beach any longer. Uh, and if you're interested in having a special event in our city, then you also need to adhere to the ordinance. Uh, because it applies to city facilities, it affects all city staff. So um, city staff need to also comply with the ordinance by um, bringing their food from home in reusable containers, or if they pick up any food from restaurants, if they bring it to uh, a city building, they need to ensure that the packaging complies with the ordinance. So no single use plastic or styrofoam. 
Wow, that is impressive. I wish we could have something like that citywide here in Nashville. How um, two follow-up questions. How one, how is monitoring going? How do you make sure that that's being complied with? Well, compliance is always one of the challenges. So education is a key element to that. Uh, even though the ordinance passed two years ago, we continue to um, broaden our outreach and see how we can reach uh, people with these messages. In a place like Hollywood, where we have lots of visitors throughout the year, it's important that we keep getting the message out because we always have new people coming and a lot of people don't know about it, um, but many people are very supportive of it and will comply with it if they are aware. Um, so currently, if you go to the beach or to our city parks, you will see uh, signs and banners on the Broadwalk or at the um, entrance to city parks, you'll see signs notifying people that Hollywood is proud to be plastic and foam free. Um, we direct people to information on our website so that they can get more details about what items are not allowed and what alternatives are allowed. Um, we are working on a campaign of uh, translating our materials to Spanish so that we can reach a broader audience because there is a large population of Spanish speakers here in the region, both residents and visitors. Uh, and we're also working on educating people, um, particularly at the beach, because that's where a lot of people go, um, by providing messages in places where people will see them. Uh, Margaritaville is a popular uh, location in the center of Hollywood Beach they have a band shell on the Broadwalk and there's a digital sign they have displayed there. So we created some uh, education slides for their daytime slideshow that they have running to educate or to uh, bring attention to different information or events that are happening. We have added some information slides into that slideshow to make people aware about the ordinance. Um, and we're also going to be reaching out to hotels and vacation rentals so that we can get information into people's rooms, into the lobbies uh, where people will see that information as well. How are third-party vendors taking to the requirement? Are they easily adapting or did you get pushback? In the beginning, there was a bit of pushback. People were concerned about the difference in cost between, for example, plastic bottled water versus canned bottled water, things like that. Um, but those prices have been changing. And as uh, more companies have been providing canned water as an alternative, the price has been coming down. It's been uh, more available. It's been a lot easier for people to find. Um, so now we have pretty good compliance, especially uh, with our city parks. We have some organizations that run sports organizations and uh, they had a lot of concerns because uh, one of the ways that they um, make a bit of money is by selling bottled drinks like uh, sports drinks and water, things like that. But they have since found alternatives uh, and there don't seem to be any issues now. Sometimes uh, people with special event um, plans, they'll contact me, um, especially if they haven't had a special event in the past couple of years. So they haven't had to... Uh, become acquainted with the ordinance yet, they will contact me for 
advice on where they can find different items that are compliant, or they might have found something online and they're not sure if it is. So they'll ask me to check and let them know ahead of time before they make a purchase of say a thousand utensils, you know, is this utensil compliant? And I will let them know whether it is or not. Mm -hmm. um, and then if it isn't, I often um, try to steer them toward items they can use as, as alternatives that are. And you're probably uh, transforming their business model by doing that too, because they probably won't go back to what they were doing before. Right. Uh, you know, what Hollywood is doing is not unique. We're seeing these types of changes happening in various cities throughout the country, at the state level in some cases, and even at the national level throughout the world. Some countries have banned these items outright. So we're starting to see the transformation happen at the manufacturer and supplier level, which I'm very excited about. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that we've talked about when the commission was considering these ordinances and having that discussion about compliance. You know, we were saying how by passing an ordinance like this and sending this message of what we're trying to move toward, we can actually push manufacturers and suppliers to supply what we need. And we're starting to see that happen. Um, I heard recently that Coca-Cola is actually making an effort to switch about 25% of its beverages to reusable glass and plastic over the next eight to 10 years. So uh, I don't think that would have happened without ordinances like this. Mm -hmm. Well, Elaine, congratulations on all the great work you're doing. And you're certainly the city of Hollywood is leading by example. Um, lots of good suggestions that you've shared with us today that other SSDN cities can take from and um, where would be the best website to send folks to to learn more information? We have our sustainability page on the City of Hollywood website so people can go to the main page which is hollywoodfl.org and then they can find sustainability in our list of departments. Great. Well, keep up the great work. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing the great story about City of Hollywood here on the SSDN podcast. Thank you, Laurel. It's been wonderful chatting with you today. You're listening to SSDN's Green Minds podcast. I'm Laurel, co-host, along with Catherine Mercer-Baggett. That was a great conversation with Hollywood, Florida, with Elaine Franklin, the Environmental Sustainability Coordinator there. Now we're going to head down to Orlando, Florida, with Brittany McPeak. She's the Sustainability Project Coordinator, but her full-time job is working on food waste initiatives. So here's my conversation with Brittany. You're listening to the SSDN Green Minds podcast, and I'm excited to have a special guest with me, Brittany McPeak. She is with the City of Orlando, and she currently serves as the Sustainability Project Coordinator. How's it going, Brittany? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining today and talking more about the great work that is happening around food waste reduction in the in the city of Orlando, which looks like you all have been doing a lot of work in uh, for several years. First, if you can give a little bit of an overview of what, what you do and your role, as well as how big is the city of Orlando in terms of a population size? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for having me. 
Um, so city of Orlando is about 280,000 residents. It's located in Orange County, Florida. Um, so we have a lot of theme parks, a large hospitality sector. So as you can imagine, we have a lot of food waste. So that's one of our issues that we're trying to tackle here. Um, I'm a sustainability project coordinator with the Office of Sustainability and Resilience. And I oversee our organics diversion programs. So kind of uh, looking at the entire hierarchy of food waste um, from composting. Um, I oversee the residential and commercial food waste composting programs, also uh, doing a lot of work with food donation and our food rescue networks here. And then what we've been focusing on uh, over the past year or two with the help of NRDC is food waste prevention, really just at the top of the hierarchy, trying to prevent food waste from happening in the first place. Now, Brittany, is this your full-time job is fo focusing on food waste reduction? Yes, it is. We're very lucky here to have a, a robust office in the city of Orlando and have someone solely dedicated to food waste. Wow, that is very impressive. Well, can you share with us uh, the journey of how the city of Orlando got in, involved in this and why food waste is important to the city? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we have a really large hospitality sector here, which means that we have a lot of food waste going to our landfills. I think the EPA estimates that our landfills are about 22% food waste. So that's a large stream. And the city has a goal of zero waste to landfill by 2040. So we really need to tackle that stream um, and make sure that's not going to the landfill to reach that goal of zero waste by 2040. And so when you think back uh, to, so city of Nashville, we started this journey probably around 2015 and 2016 and identifying that we really need to lean in on this and make a difference as it, as it relates to food waste reduction. And uh, we're contacted by NRDC, the Natural Resource Defense Council to get involved. Um, there are a few other cities or many other cities across the US and it sounds like Orlando is one of those cities that NRDC works with. Yes, we've been working with NRDC on their um, Food Matters Initiative for almost two years now. And um, it's a technical assistance grant. They're incredibly helpful. They've really helped us progress on a lot of our goals. Um, a lot of our food waste initiatives started back around the same time as Nashville, around 2015. But at that point, we were more focused on um, downstream management of the food waste. So mostly composting those scraps afterwards. But the NRDC helped us uh, move up that hierarchy and focus on food waste prevention. And your website is fantastic. It's very very simple, orlando.gov slash food waste. And on there, there's many resources, how to avoid food waste, request a free composter, composting guide, food waste drop-off, commercial food waste recycling, what goes where, and request a free cooking oil recycling container. So how do you coordinate and collaborate with other divisions and staff and city government, as well as partners in the community? So we work very closely with our solid waste department. Um, we work closely with them on our commercial food waste recycling programs. So um, we're vertically integrated. We own our own solid waste fleet. So we're actually one of the only municipal uh, commercial food waste collections in the state of Florida, which we're proud to say. Um, so we work closely with our solid waste division on that um, with the pickups, with customer trainings, with cart deliveries. And we also have worked closely with the community as well. So lately we've been focusing again on prevention. So we've 
been doing workshops with um, local organizations on food preservation. So uh, we funded those workshops put on and they kind of focus on um, preserving food. So freezing the food, um, freeze drying the food, um, pickling, fermenting. So those have been some of our other partnerships. We also work closely with our neighborhood centers. We've done quite a few food waste audits with them um, in regards to their after-school nutrition program. They reached out to us, letting us know that um, there was a lot of food being wasted in there and you know what they could do about it. So we came in and we did some audits and we found that there was about 1.6 pounds of food waste per student per day. And if you extrapolate that out to all of our neighborhood centers across the city, that was about 45,000 pounds of food waste per month. So um, with their help, we've actually made some menu changes, um, just changing the quality of the food, going from cold meals to hot meals to try to reduce that food waste. And we plan on going back in this summer and auditing to see if that those hot meals really reduce the amount of food waste. And we've also partnered with our neighborhood centers for a food donation program. We did a one-month pilot with a company called Gooder and um, their food, food logistics and rescue company that um, they came in and it's an app app-based company. And what our neighborhood centers would do was at the end of the day, they would collect all of their uneaten food, all of the donatable food, keep them in freezer bags, um, temp them before they go out. And then Gooder would have a driver come and pick up that food. And it was donated to local nonprofits nearby that could utilize that food. That's fantastic. Yes. Uh, and that is another one of those core things, as you said, the, the top of the pyramid is to try and get that food to be eaten th- for the, from those that need it rather than going to compost and certainly not waste. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we're really excited to see that there were actual menu changes in there, because not only do we want to donate that food and get it back out into the community, but the goal is for the students to eat that food. So we want to make sure it's quality food that the students enjoy and that they're getting those meals that they need. Excellent. Um, And I had read a recent article. um, Well, it's actually not that recent, but about Disney and doing some pretty unique things with food waste and potentially turning that into energy. Yeah. So Disney is a little bit outside of our jurisdiction. They're actually not in the city of Orlando, but um, there was a anaerobic digester named uh, called Harvest Power that was out near Disney World. And that's actually where we used to take our food waste to. So that's probably where Disney was taking theirs as well, but that actually shut down due to the pandemic in 2020. So now we're taking our food waste to a commercial composting facility a little north of the city. And that's interesting. Uh, that's uh, that's a shame that it closed down because that's something we're, we, we've in Nashville have been contemplating about doing something about, but we just haven't gotten the capital investment to pursue that um, as, as we look at opportunities now. And I did also read a recent story about O-Town compost and some work that is being done with the city. I don't know if you all are working still collaboratively with them. Yeah, so we don't work directly with them um, as a private company, but they're doing amazing things here. They provide a service that the city is not currently able to provide, and that's residential pickup Mm -hmm. at the doorstep. Um, So that's kind of where 
Um, they fill the niche here in the city of Orlando, again, that we're not able to provide currently at the moment, though we do have residential drop-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few options for residents for them to recycle their food waste. So we give out free backyard composters to anybody within the city of Orlando limits that has a backyard. I think we've given out uh, over 8,000 free composters so far. They come assembled to the door. Um, they We give out trainings for those as well. We have resources on the website for anyone looking to compost properly. And then for our residents who are not able to compost, um, maybe they just are not able to, or they live in one of our many multifamily buildings here, we have residential drop-offs throughout the city. So we've got four currently. We have two monitored and two unmonitored. So the monitored ones, we're at two farmer's markets here every single week. Uh, We have a table out there that provides a lot of educational material, um, providing prevention materials as well to the residents. And they're able to come to the markets, drop off their food scraps. We collect them there, um, pick them up as well. And then we've also started putting unmonitored drop-offs throughout the city. And those are bins that are open 24 hours to residents. um, So it's a little more convenient for them if they can't make one of our markets. That's fantastic that you all offer all these wonderful services. Um, The city of Nashville, we do have some drop-off locations and we would like to eventually do pickup. Um, We are having a hard enough time just getting our trash and recycling pickup that we're probably not ready yet to to add um, composting to that, but that is one of our long-term plans and certainly part of our zero waste plan as well. So um, that's, that's tremendous. And Brittany, do you have any statistics of how much waste you all have been diverting since or food waste since the program started? Yeah, since about 2015. And this is for our commercial composting as well. So our bars, hotels, restaurants, schools who are on that and including residential waste, um, almost 4 million pounds so far have been diverted from the landfill. Wow, that's tremendous. Well, congratulations on that. And I'm, uh, I think it's really, really cool that Orlando has invested in having a full-time person such as yourself dedicated to this. So Brittany, what are some of the things that City of Orlando is doing around prevention efforts? Well, we've been doing a lot around prevention. Um, That's what we've been focusing a lot on is the top of the hierarchy over the last two years. We recently participated in Food Waste Prevention Week, which is a week-long social media campaign around reducing food. And we actually have a mayor proclamation that was proclaiming that week in the city of Orlando as Food Waste Prevention Week. We have recently purchased um, billboards, uh, quite a few of them that will be up for eight weeks. Um, They're really straightforward they i some of them are like don't let your money wilt don't let your money rot with just a simple picture it's very eye-catching as you drive by and then it directs everybody to a great resource an nrdc owned resource save the food.com we have to we also purchased 10 downtown bus shelters um, with kind of the same type of messaging those have qr codes that lead back to our website at orlando.gov stop food waste We are also doing um, in the month of April a campaign for radio ads um, in English and Spanish. So just kind of letting people know how much money is wasted on food, some tips to prevent that food waste, and then directing them back to save the food as well. We purchased social media ads 
for the city of Orlando, looking at food waste prevention. And like I mentioned, we're doing workshops with local partners on food preservation. Um, we send out a lot of food waste prevention messaging in all of our newsletters. So our city newsletter, our employee newsletter, and our Office of Sustainability and Resilience newsletter. Uh, as you've seen, we've created a web page, and again, that's orlando.gov slash stop food waste, and that's to help our residents prevent food waste before it needs to be composted. We also added on another web page for our commercial customers, showing them where the bulk of the food waste in the city of Orlando came from, and that was, those stats are through a baseline calculation that we did with NRDC. So created a web page for the commercial customers. We've put in a lot of signage throughout City Hall and all of the break rooms. So we added on to the um, original recycling signage. So now there's also food waste prevention on that recycling signage as well. So they can see how to prevent that food waste while they're in the break rooms. And one of the really exciting things that we're doing right now is we partnered with a, our local culinary school here to do a restaurant challenge. So we're getting a bunch of chefs and judges together um, within the city of Orlando to do a little cook-off, kind of a chop style cook-off where everybody gets the same type of food and they'll be creating a meal. And the goal of it is to promote zero waste. So not only are they going to be judged on the taste, the quality and the presentation of the meal, but they'll also be judged on how much food waste is left over. So really looking at a root to shoot approach or a nose to tail approach um, you know, hoping that they use those carrot tops, that they use those potato peels. And we'll be recording that and trying to send that out to all of our Main Street districts and really get as much attention as we can for our restaurants here to look at these zero waste approaches. So we're really excited about this restaurant challenge. That is so cool, so cool that um, the two terms you use, nose to tail and root to shoot, which I hadn't heard of either of those terms before. Is that something you guys coined? Uh, no, they're, they're nose to tail is a restaurant term. And um, I'm not sure where I heard root to shoot, but that's more the vegetarian approach <laughs> for it. I love it. That's so awesome. Well, you have a lot going on. Uh, well, you had mentioned doing these billboard ads and radio ads and print and things like that. Is that something that you all have to have to pay for? And if so, how do you get your funding to do that? Yes, they are paid for. Um, the funding came through our Food Matters grant with NRDC. So it's a technical assistance a grant that comes with a small amount of funding. So um, we focus the majority of that funding on food waste prevention. And that's how we were able to pay for the billboards, the bus shelters, the radio ads and the social media ads, along with the um, the workshops with our, part, our local partners on food preservation. Excellent. Well, and that NRDC is doing some amazing work and many cities that are featured on this podcast is in partnership with them. So it's great to have um, the cities tout the great work that's happening in each of the communities and, and being able to learn from each other. So thank you, Brittany. Is there anything else you wanted to add? You've been listening to SSDN's Green Minds podcast, and we've been focusing on food waste awareness on a national level and then headed down to the Southeast region to have some great conversations with the cities of Asheville, North Carolina, Hollywood, Florida, and Orlando, Florida. And a huge thank you to also my special guest, Darby Hoover with the Natural Resource Defense Council, NRDC, and Linda Bregan with the City of Nashville's Food Waste Initiative and the Mayor's Sustainability Advisory committee. Be sure to check out next month's 
SSDN Green Minds podcast hosted by Katherine Mercer Baggett. Till then, stay healthy and green.